0: Well, good morning, everyone. Is uh, is next week Thanksgiving? Next weekend's Thanksgiving. Okay, good. I sometimes get that mixed up. Um, So we have this message, and then we have Thanksgiving message, and then we'll be starting our series on James the week after that then, and um, which is important that you get signed up, important that you figure out where you're going to land in the next two weeks so that you can be part of that life group. It's important I remember that so I can get my materials prepared for you to have in the life group, because um, that's still not done yet either, so I'm glad I have an extra week. Um, this morning, uh, we're thinking about our last couple of messages. We had a couple of messages on the gospel, uh, the gospel out of Ecclesiastes, the gospel of the church gathered. And um, how we talked a couple of weeks ago about, as the church gathered, we're a city on a hill, that we're a light for people to see. And so that got me thinking about, what is it that people see? What is it that marks us as Christians? And so today, as we think about how people are identified, you can go to the high school, you can walk down the street, you see people marked or identified in different ways. Some people wear, you know, Tommy Hilfiger branded sweat shirts or they have, you know, hats that have maple leaves or senators, you know, if they're really crazy, they got the Bruins on there. Um, But, you know, people mark themselves in certain ways. Some people mark their skin. Tattoos have gotten extremely popular, Um, you know, so people mark their skin as an identifying thing. There's fashion marks. There's certain handbags that ladies carry that mean something. Um, I don't know what it means, but we all have marks of identity that we mark ourselves with. And the same is true of Christians. You're driving along and you see a bumper sticker, or you see the, you know, the little fish over uh, the Subaru logo, Um, just to let you know that people are loyal to Subaru and to Jesus at the same time. (laughs) Um, People wear crosses around their necks, you know, they may wear a button, they may have a t-shirt that says something about their faith. We mark ourselves as Christian. Now, it may be how we drive, more important than the fish on the back of our car that marks us as a Christian, or how we talk to the server at the restaurant, which is a more important mark than the t-shirt we're wearing, Um, but we do mark ourselves as Christians, and so the question sort of came up in my mind: What are the marks that should identify gospel-transformed Christians? How are we known? How do we carry ourselves? What do other people see that mark us as believers? And there's many marks that we can find in the scripture, but today I just want to cover five core marks or identifiers that are meant to be present in our lives as Christians. These are marks that we can look for in ourselves and that we would hope other people would see in us. And so these marks kind of start internal and become more and more obvious as we go. And so the inner marks, there's two inner marks that I want to talk about that are less obvious to others, but then increasingly become obvious as we move to things that express themselves in the Christian life um, if we are saved and if we are followers of Jesus. And I'll just pray before we begin with these five marks ...of a Christian life. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are a new people, uh, that we are transformed, that we are new creations, that we are a covenant people. We thank you for all of that amazing, miraculous transformation that takes place. And Father, I, I thank you that the scripture is clear about these things. I mean, it doesn't present them exactly like this, but it is clear that these are things that should be visible in the Christian life. And these are things that should mark us as different uh, than the citizens of this world. And uh, so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, consider in our hearts and make sure in our hearts each one of these things, uh, as we consider our walk as Christians. We pray this thing in Christ's name. Amen. So, the the first one, um, as I said, is very internal Uh, And it's the most hidden of the five, and they become increasingly more obvious as we go. The first thing is that we're spiritually, as believers who have received the gospel and received the work of Jesus Christ by faith, we're marked by justification. We are counted as righteous. And it's the hardest one for other people to see and know for sure. I don't know if you are justified before God. Sometimes it's the hardest mark for us even to feel. We don't feel like we're justified before God. We don't feel very righteous very often. But just because it's hard for others to see, it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because we don't always feel it in our emotions, it doesn't mean it's not true. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. That's the first Most important mark of a believer. They are justified before God by faith and not works. Paul says in Romans, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so the most important mark... Our characteristic of faith in our lives is that we're made right with God. We're counted as righteous. Even though by our works we are not righteous, God considers us righteous. Jesus has taken our filthy robes of sin on himself, and in exchange for our robes of sin, he has given us his pure white robes of righteousness. And so we wear Jesus like a robe. We are marked, most importantly, before God as righteous and justified by Jesus' work, not our work. And that can be hard for us to feel or to know at times. We don't always feel that we have the righteousness of Jesus. often the only reason we know it is because God said it and God doesn't lie. That if we have put all of our trust in Jesus, then we are justified. 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And some days, let me tell you, the only reason I know that is true is because I read it in the Bible and God said it. It's not because of anything I've done, it's not because of any way I feel, it's not because, in fact, I feel the exact opposite of this many days, but I know that I am marked in this way before God because it is a promise and God has said it's true and he's raised his son from the dead to verify that it is true. So the first mark, although sometimes hard to see in others or feel in ourselves, is helpfully made more and more obvious by the evidence of the next four marks. So first of all, Christians are marked by being justified and by having a right relationship with God and a righteousness that is not their own. Secondly, and this is another sort of internal one, emotionally we are marked by new desires, This one I can detect a little bit easier, and it's a little bit easier to see in other people as well, although not perfectly. If we've received the Spirit and we are a new creation, a new person whose hope is in Jesus, then we begin to feel differently towards everything. Christians are marked by having a different stance towards everything in their life than they did before they were a Christian, and it's noticeable. Paul says in Romans... For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. You see, what Paul is saying here is that coming to know Jesus Christ, understanding the law of God, trusting in Christ, seeing that everything about God and Jesus and the Spirit is beautiful... He suddenly has these new desires where he is at conflict with what he thought before. I don't even like the own things I do anymore. The things I used to like, I don't like anymore. And I do the things I don't like, and I like the things that I don't do. And he's in this conflict of these new desires at war in his flesh. An important internal mark of a real Holy Spirit habitation in our hearts is that we experience a fundamental shift in our attitude towards sin and the world. When the Bible talks about repentance, understand that repentance literally means changing our minds to agree with God and turning our path away from the world and towards him. So we, like Paul, are marked by discovering that we delight in what God delights in and we hate what God hates. That's the mark of a Christian. The mark of a Christian is one who hates sin in themselves most of all, as Paul does, and grieves over the sin of others. Christians hate what sin does to them. They hate how it affects others. They hate how sin has brought a curse on the whole world. Christians hate sin in every form, in every way. And at the same time, we discover in ourselves a growing delight for righteousness as we read it in God's Word and as we see it in the persons of the Trinity. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6. In other words, we start to delight in love and peace and purity and faithfulness and loyalty and covenant keeping and humility and sacrifice and light and truth. We delight in what God delights in. We delight in bearing burdens and lifting the oppressed, releasing people from debt, seeing people set free from what is destroying them, and ultimately delighting in the person of Jesus through whom all these things are possible. And so as Christians, when we Other people look at us, they should see that we have new desires, that we have new delights and new hatreds. The things we used to love, we realize are rubbish, Paul says. Things that he counted as worthy are rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus. And things that perhaps we used to hate, we now love. David sings to the Lord, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. When Paul says he counts everything as loss, when David says he delights more in the Lord than in wine and grain, it means they're saying the same thing. They love God more than they love the temporary things of the world. The best things of the world are rubbish. Grain and wine provide less joy than knowing God provides. And we are marked as Christians by people who live that out. We delight in the things of the Lord. The mark of a Christian is one who loves God more than they love the world, and they love God more even than the blessings of God. And it's an important question to ask ourselves sometimes, do we love God more than you love what God gives you? Or do you only love God as long as the blessing, the grain and the wine abound? As long as the blessings keep flowing, I love God. But as soon as the blessings stop, I get angry and don't love God as much anymore. And that is a clear sign that you're not really loving God, you're loving God's stuff. And Christians don't love God's stuff, they love God. And they delight in the things of God. And so the second mark, again, is an internal one. This is one we know for ourselves, is that our hearts begin to delight in the things that we didn't delight in before. And we begin to hate the things God hates, and we love the things of God more. So there are these new desires that mark a Christian and a Christian life. Now there's three more marks that are a little more external. The first one is that we become obedient to Jesus' life and teaching. I can't see your justification directly. You can even fool me about your desires. But what I can see is I can see obedience, and we can see it in our own lives. Obedience to Jesus' life and teaching is something that should mark a Christian and their life. Jesus said it quite clearly, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, in John 14, 15. The mark of obedience to Jesus is described in many ways. Sometimes uh, when we're talking about this mark of a Christian, you might hear it talked about, you know, that we are called to be holy or holiness. You know, people are just going on and on about how we're to be holy, you know, and how we're to be marked by holiness. If, if you hear a preacher or a brother or sister in Christ encouraging you to holiness, don't think of it as some sort of self-righteous pursuit of perfection. Holiness in our actions sounds kind of super spiritual, and possibly, even as I say that, when I say that you as Christians are called to holiness, you might kind of react defensively as if it's an accusation about your lack of holiness. But in the Bible, the call to holiness just means obey Jesus. We're holy when we obey Jesus because Jesus follows the law perfectly. First Peter one fifteen says, But as he who called you is holy, that's Jesus, you also be holy in all your conduct." being holy or calls or exhortations to holiness are not about some sort of super spirituality. It's just about obeying Jesus. Follow Jesus because he's holy and you should be holy the way he's holy. Sometimes obedience to Jesus is referred to just as disciples or discipleship. The disciples of a Jewish rabbi were those who set their own life aside to follow after that rabbi day by day, to sit under his teaching, to emulate his life. And so as we are discipled, or people speak into your life about, you know, if you want to walk faithfully as a Christian, you need to be discipled, it simply means that you're seeking to obey Jesus. It's the same mark. Other times, there may be an emphasis on exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. You know, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Once again, this is just obedience to Jesus people who are obedient to Jesus exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. As we're conformed to act in the temperament given to us by the Spirit, like apples on a tree, these are the fruit that mark a Christian who is obeying Jesus. Or another way this mark presents itself, you could consider the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. An obedient Jesus follower is described in terms of meekness, peacekeeping, being poor in spirit, and so on. These are all descriptions of how a Christian is marked by obedience to Jesus. And of course, most obviously, works of obedience are a mark of obedience. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So all of this to say is just that the Christian life is marked in all these ways in which we obey Jesus. We do his works, and the works of his commands lead us into these things. We display the fruit of his spirit. We reflect his holiness. We are identified as his people by the marks he describes in the Beatitudes. But all of these marks of obedience are summarized in one law which we must obey, which is simply the law of love. Jesus says, this is how you obey me. Here's how you are obedient to the entire law that I have fulfilled. Love God and love others. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, you know this one well. He said to him, you shall, know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So in other words, if you are a Christian, and if you are leading a Christian life, just like a Leafs jersey, or just like a cross around your neck, obedience to Jesus should mark your life. All through the New Testament, we are told again and again, these are all external signs of obedience, the fruit of the Spirit, the holiness, the the loving others, the humility, the meekness, all of these steps of obedience to Jesus are a mark of a Christian. Everything about him. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by obedience to Jesus. But life-transforming faith results in good works and obedience to Jesus. We are not marking ourselves well as Christians if obedience to Jesus is not our daily desire and a daily result not perfectly none of us are going to obey perfectly we understand that on this side of heaven until we're glorified receive our perfected bodies that we will not be perfectly obedient but the new desires should lead to new actions and with the help of the spirit our actions will be marked by a steady progression in learning the command of love and obeying the command of love the loving of god and the loving of others As John Piper recently preached, grace doesn't mean that obedience is unnecessary. It means it's finally possible. And that's important for us to understand as Christians. When we are saved by grace, it doesn't mean we don't have to obey. It means we finally can obey. And those who do not have the Holy Spirit and do not have the grace of God are literally incapable of obeying the commands of God and Jesus. But we have that blessed grace. We have that amazing mercy that makes obedience possible. So the first external sign, or the third mark of a Christian, is obedience to Christ. And the second external one that we should see is incorporate, being incorporated into his church. When Jesus taught the disciples, he assumed in his teaching that his disciples would form an ecclesia, a body of citizens that were called out into a gathering to do kingdom work. That's what that Greek word means. So an Ecclesia, are citizens that are called out to do citizen business. And Jesus presumed that they would become a new people called out from the world and able to identify one another by the marks that we've just talked about and other marks. And he told Peter about this church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus presumes he knows that a church, an Ecclesia, will be built. And then he gave his disciples commands to preserve unity and guard against sin in the Ecclesia that they would form after his departure. We have hints of it in Matthew 18. When he's talking about how brothers and sisters in, who have been incorporated into the church of christ if they disagree with each other or they sin against one another how to reconcile within the church he says if he if he refuses to listen to them the people that confront him tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector now sometimes when i read this whenever jesus is talking about the church i mean other than the peter one uh in matthew 18 whenever he's 16 whenever he's talking about the church i often think Did the disciples even know what he was talking about? Because there is no church yet, right? He's like, tell it to the church. And the disciples are like, tell it to who? Who who exactly are we telling it to? Jesus is like, just wait, you'll get it in a minute. Um, It's coming. But Jesus assumed that there would be a body. There would be an ecclesia. And as we read through the rest of the New Testament from Acts to Revelation, the story of Jesus' followers is the story of the church forming. Becoming what Jesus promised it would become and functioning in part exactly as it was intended to function. Our human and frail part means that it also functions sometimes not as intended. But the point really is that we can tell the difference. We can tell when the church is functioning as it should, and we can tell when the church is functioning as it shouldn't. Why can we tell that there is a healthy church and an unhealthy church? Why can we tell that this is a church and that isn't a church, and these people are in the church and these people aren't? There's a distinction. There is a mark. Jesus gave us the church, and the Bible teaches us how to live and act and function in the church. It means that we know as Christians how the church is supposed to be. And we can determine when a specific localized church is not working as it should. How is that all so obvious to us? Because new covenant realities of the church are obvious in Scripture, and believers are marked by being incorporated into it and belonging to it. Just as the mark of obedience to Jesus is described in many ways, so is the mark of a Christian incorporated into the church. We can tell the difference between a Christian who's not incorporated into the church and a Christian who is. It's described at various times in the New Testament as being part of a body, Ephesians 4.12 and 1 Corinthians 12.12. 12. It's described other times as being a living temple, 1 Peter two five. It's talked other times about being adopted into a spiritual family in Romans 8.14 and Galatians 4.5. It's talked about as being members of God's covenant people in Romans 3.29-30. Throughout the New Testament, we are told a mark of a Christian is one who has done, is gone into this process, been incorporated into all of these things, part of the body, a living temple, adopted into a spiritual family, members of God's covenant. This is the mark of a Christian. And we can tell when Christians are not participating in this, are not incorporated into this. They're golfing on Sunday morning or they're sleeping in or they're just not involved in life group, or they're not involved in a ministry, or they don't have close Christian friends, and they're just kind of drifting out there, and they're not incorporated into the body, and we can see the difference when a Christian is not marked by incorporation into his church. These different ways here are all just different ways the Bible tells us that Christians bear the mark of being part of a church. The incorporation into the church involves other marks, Such as being baptized, which we just saw this morning. That is a mark of being part of the body, is to be baptized. Taking communion together, worshiping together, praying together, serving, building one another up, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, discipling one another. Those are all marks of Christians who are incorporated into the church. A church is something that a Christian is folded into. And the severest sanction against a Christian in the New Covenant and beyond is to unfold them or send them from the safety of that fellowship. If someone was so willfully sinful and so willfully disobedient and so willfully causing unrest in the church, the most severe thing that could be done to a believer was to unfold them and unincorporate them from the body. So incorporation into the body is, is clearly a mark of a Christian life. The body of Christ, the church, the gathering of believers, and engagement with other believers in love and unity and mission is not optional for the Christian life. We can't say we love Jesus but hate or are indifferent to his bride. We can't say we love Jesus but reject his people. If we see professing Christians disengaged from church, that is not a healthy mark. Disengagement from church is a mark of a present or fast approaching struggle in their faith and in the health of their relationships. If our own lives are not marked by a love for the church and enthusiasm for participating in our faith with fellow brothers and sisters, then we are missing in our Christian walk an important mark, a covenant mark of belonging to God's people. Yes, we are justified. Yes, we have new desires. Yes, we are obedient to Christ, but are we incorporated into his body? Are we actually living stones built into his new temple? And finally, the last mark that I have for today is kingdom service and mission. And this final mark is really a specific expression of the previous two. Obedience to Jesus in his church manifests itself in acts of what I will call kingdom service towards the world, or perhaps we would commonly say participating in the kingdom's mission. As an evangelical church that's engaged in the mission of sharing the good news of the gospel with others, it's very often identified by its own five distinctive marks. Evangelical churches are marked in a certain way amongst churches or um, in the world. And and we bear our own five distinct marks here at Lakeside, and, and they have very fancy words. First of all, we're biblical. We believe that all essential truth is found in the Scripture and that it is our guide to life and godliness. The second mark of an evangelical church and us here at Lakeside is that we're Christological. Jesus and the gospel is at the center of history and our faith. As an evangelical church, we're transformational. We believe that receiving the work of Jesus by faith results in actual transformed lives. It's not just an intellectual ascent. It's not just something you inherit from your parents. When you understand who Jesus is and receive the gospel and receive the Holy Spirit, you are literally a new creation and transformation takes place. We're also marked by being congregational. This is like the last mark. The church is supernaturally established and integral to the working out of our own faith and God's mission in the world. And then finally, we get to the last mark, which coincides with us again, in that we are missional. The church is intentionally engaging with the world. The gospel must be expressed in acts of love and evangelism to the world. So those are five marks of a church that's like Lakeside. Lakeside bears all of these marks. And so if you look around Lakeside, you'll wonder why we say things like we're standing on the word of God. You'll wonder why we talk about Jesus and I talk about the gospel so much. You talk about discipleship and transformation and victory over sin and being set free from the bondage of our past. It's because we're transformational. You wonder why church is so important to us and we talk about it so much. It's because we're congregational. And you wonder why we support missionaries and we have you know we push outside of the walls of this building in order to engage the world as much as possible it's because we're missional these are the five marks of our church that we take very seriously because they're biblical marks but of course you realize that when i say church it's not a building it's not a charity it's not an organization it's not something that files or doesn't file with the government it's not a social construct even The church bears these five marks because these marks of the church are literally made up from the people who bear these marks. Christians are the living stones that make the church. We are the individual parts that together are the whole body. These marks of a church are the marks of a Christian. And so the church is missional because Christians are missional. As we consider in more detail, a couple of weeks ago, the gathered church itself is an expression of the gospel to the world. And beyond that, individual Christians, with the aid of the gathered church, are marked by their personal participation in sharing the gospel and sharing the love of Jesus with the world. Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You realize a city is not just one person. Yes, he says people don't light a lamp and put it under their basket, but he's talking to a lot of people, so he says you're like a city. You're like a city with a lot of lights. A city is a whole assembly of citizens that should be seen and affect the world around them. Each individual doesn't hide their light under a basket, but sheds their light in the greater city-on-a-hill picture that Jesus paints. And so this mark of mission in your Christian life may start with simply supporting the church, maybe financially, maybe with your time, so that all of our ministries and people are doing ministry and are equipped and resourced in the church's gathered mission. It may mean for you being a volunteer to engage with senior and junior high students as they intersect with our church. We had our kickoff week last week. Between junior and senior high, we had, I think, 53 kids out for our kickoff. And when I looked, especially at the junior high group, I seriously did not know like 60% of them, 70% of them. I think, I think maybe only about 20 out of the 50 were actual church kids. 30 of them were from the school. Right? And so your mission as a missional Christian and bearing this mark could be volunteering with the senior highs or volunteering with the junior highs so that they can intersect with Christians and intersect with the gospel. It could be teaching Sunday school or caring for children in the nursery so that a single mom can actually sit in church and receive a moment of grace at the end of a week that feels like it's falling apart, there are many ways in which the Christian life can be marked by mission. All of those count. But it definitely means engaging directly with the world with grace and love. As you go about your life as a Christian, you should be marked by grace and love so that people see your good works and glorify God. It means sitting with your neighbor when they're grieving the loss of a loved one. It means helping young families care for their children. It means befriending and spending time with the disadvantaged and the marginalized, even those who we may think are our enemy. It means having compassion on those that we would disagree with ideologically, but we are called to love instead of reject. It means using our gifts and our talents to serve others with love and wait for opportunities to share with anyone the hope that they need in Jesus. The mark of a Christian is one of always seeking to bear fruit in the place where God has planted them. Even though we live as exiles, we seek the benefit of the place where God has planted us. So the fifth and final mark, I'll just say again, is the mark of being on mission. Kingdom service in mission to the world. Every Christian should bear this mark in some degree. Jeremiah says, speaking to Israel who is in exile, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare while you will find... in its welfare you will find your welfare. Peter picks up on that in the New Covenant reality. He says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, those new desires, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see, we are to live our lives. We should be marked. Just like that Leafs fan. Just like that woman wearing Prada or whatever we should be marked as we go about in the streets and in our job and in our family and in the schools people should say i see something i see the mark there and it is the mark of good works it is the marks of the beatitudes it's the marks of humility it's the marks of serving of being on mission for the kingdom even though this is not our kingdom we as christians are marked by being on kingdom mission those are the five marks that I sort of picked out in terms of we can not see all of them, we should see some of them, we should all be living them out if we are believers. You may have a bumper sticker on your car, you may have a little fish decal under the model name, you may wear a very conspicuous cross around your neck as you walk around the high school or the office, but we have to ask ourselves as Christians, what marks are we actually bearing? What marks are you really showing? What mark do you find inside yourself in terms of transformed desires? What marks do other people see in terms of you acting out of those new transformed desires? Becoming a Christian is a miraculous transformation. To receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift of incredible power. The call of Jesus is clear to those who follow him that we should bear these marks. And this is how we examine ourselves. Would anybody know that all of this has happened to you? Would anybody know the joy and the new desires and everything that the Holy Spirit has given to you as a new creation? Are these marks evident? Or is your Christianity something that is not visible to others, becoming less and less visible to the church and maybe less and less visible even to yourself? And of course, you always have the danger in sermons like this to realize you're preaching to the choir because you're here. Praise God. And I thank God for every one of you. But you may know people that maybe aren't here, that maybe aren't following Jesus, whose desires seem to be pulled away from the church and pulled away from God, who seem to be captivated by the world. And so if you know they're a brother or sister, you can come alongside them, and you can just encourage them and say, you know what, this is important. This is not just optional. If we really are citizens of the new kingdom, if we really are people of God's new covenant, if we really are part of the body, if we really are on kingdom mission, then we should encourage one another and exhort one another that we would be exhibiting these marks, and we should see them in ourselves, and we should see them in each other and be encouraged. Now, the Lakeside, that's what we want to be. We want to bear these marks as a church, and we want to be encouragers and exhorters and just enthusiastic supporters of you as you go out in your Christian walk to bear these marks of a faithful Christian. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your faith is transformational that when we receive this justification and this righteousness of Jesus, that it's not just a thing that happens and we get the card and we put it in our wallet and we put it back in our pocket, but that it literally changes our lives. And that we have this confirmation of new desires, of treasuring you and treasuring your word and wanting to pursue it. That we have this amazing capacity to obey your commands when before in our life we couldn't even we didn't want to obey them and we couldn't obey them and now we want to and we can that we have this body of believers that we are incorporated into that you've adopted us into your family and that you've made us something part of something that is supernatural and that we have this kingdom purpose father god i would pray that no one would be questioning any of these five marks that they'd be able to look at their christian walk and say yeah i'm there And man, am I thrilled to be there because it is a source of joy to me every day to walk in all five of these realities. So, Father God, if there's any here that are not feeling like they're walking in them, Lord, I just pray that you would show them the joy of participating in the full Christian life that you've called them to. How it glorifies you and it satisfies them. We pray this in Christ's name.